give you praise for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for this body, Lord. I thank you for their faithfulness, Lord, and we just praise you for who they are, how you made them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this message will bring you glory and honor. I pray, Lord, that you'll use me, you'll anoint me uh, through the Holy Spirit to proclaim your word to your people, and I pray their hearts will be open to receive that all you'd have for us today. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The mind is where Satan does his most damage. So my first thought, really quick, my first point is, is uh, up close and personal. In Psalm 139, we're going to be looking at Psalm 139, David shared just how much God wants to be close to us. So how does God know us in a personal way? And that answer, answer is found really in our verses this morning, in verses 16, 16 through, uh, 13 through 16. He created us. He knows us personally because he has created us. I want you to think for a moment in your own lives, the people that you are very close to. Who would you say, if I'd ask that question, who would you say knows you the most intimate? Well, it could be a spouse. It could be a brother, a sister, a friend, a, a really close friend or whatever. And they know everything about us, right? Or supposedly, I, I know probably for Ron and Sue, that's the case with you. You guys have been married a few years. You know each other extremely well. You know your strengths, your weaknesses, etc. And the same with us. You know, Jan knows me. She knows my strengths and my weaknesses. I know that for a fact because she brings up my weaknesses all the time. <laughs> but see, that is the point. God knows. And see, see, as much as we know each other, and love each other, God knows us even more. Isn't that amazing to stop and think about it? You know, when we get in this, this scripture, uh, for people that you feel that God is distant, you don't really feel his presence in your life, well, let, let these uh, verses really speak to your heart because God loves you so much. He created you, flaws and all. That's the amazing thing about the faith is God loves me, in spite of myself. And I make mistakes all the time, but I'm not the only one. We all make mistakes. But the point is that God wants us to know that he loves us. And also, we cannot hide anything from God. What you're thinking right now, God knows exactly what you're thinking. Sometimes that could be very scary, right? In the moments, how about when you pull up to a traffic light, you know, and all of a sudden the person in front of you, the light turns green and they stay there, they stay there, they stay there. Then suddenly, either on the phone or whatever, they wake up, it's too late, uh, the, the light turned red again. So you have to wait a second time. How do you feel about that? What's going in through your minds? All of us, we're human beings. We tend to sometimes think bad thoughts. But even in the midst of that, God still loves us. He loved us so much that he died for us. Communion reminds us of that fact. Verse 13. 
David said, For you have created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And the wonder of his own birth caused David to praise his creator. Verse 14. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Are, are wonderful. I know that they that full well. David continues in verse 15. My frame, he's referring to his bones, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. What is the secret place? The womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, what is hidden from us is not hidden from God, led David to say in verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read this again, and it just hit me. What's going on in our world today, in certain situations, He said, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me are written in your book before one of them came to be. I believe there couldn't be a greater statement affirming the legitimacy of the unborn child. God knew us before we were formed in the womb. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, before you're born, you know, I, you know before you're what, formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you're born, I set you apart. This is a good text to use in fighting the pro-choice propaganda. Just like David, God designed you to be the person you are. He wants you to live the abundant life. Did you hear that? No matter what you're going through, he wants you to live the abundant life. Life. You can't stand it. So he plants lies in our minds. We're going to be talking about lies, lies, and more lies because Satan is the liar. And he is the greatest liar. And he instills these things in us that are so real that many, many times it just destroys lives. People's lives can be, be destroyed by lies. You're not good enough. Many small churches go through identity crises. They really do because they see themselves as not good enough. You know, they're not the big church. They're not the bigger church. They don't have the funds. They don't have all the bells and whistles. So, therefore, they're not good enough. Oftentimes, what small churches do in order to affirm themselves, they put more money into the building because that makes them feel better. It sounds a little bit goofy, doesn't it? But it's really true. You know, those are the lies, the lies, the lies that Satan just plants in our minds. Number two, protection that comes from the helmet of salvation. Now we get into Ephesians six seventeen. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Like I said, next week we're going to be talking about the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Obviously, the Roman soldier's helmet was designed to protect his head. The helmet of salvation that Paul talked about is designed to protect our minds from the devil's attacks, temptations, false teaching, and anything else, confusion in our minds. That's what he does. The Bible counters 
by saying, take on the, the mind of Christ. So, how do we defeat the evil one? Here's the plan. Here's the Bible plan. We take on the mind of Christ. When you are fighting something, when you know that Satan's in you, in your face, in your mind, in your heart, you must take on the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, in order to combat what's going on and how Satan is trying to manipulate you. Does that make any sense? Colossians. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul says, since you have been raised in Christ, seek his thoughts, seek his promises, seek his plans, seek his principles, because Satan wants to fill our minds with garbage. He wants to fill our minds with deceitful thoughts. That's what he does. We're moving on to number three, a call to wisdom. James 1, 5, and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it would be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he knows, because, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Well, this is simple, isn't it? It's very clear what, what James is saying here. James reminds us that godly wisdom comes from who? From God himself. His wisdom far exceeds accumulating human knowledge. His wisdom comes, and godly wisdom comes when we allow his word to teach and guide us. You don't have to give me a show of hands, but I've said this many, many times, and we're going to finish next week with this. The word of God. The word of God teaches and guides us, period. But we have to read it. And we have to pray over it, ask God to lead us as we read to the truths that he wants us to know and to apply. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it would be given to him. God's promise is clear. If we ask for his wisdom... He will give it to us. So when you ask for God's wisdom, but there's a condition. There's a a condition behind that statement. All right, you with me? All right. 6A, A, B, 6A. But when he asks, he must believe and what? And not doubt. If we ask God for wisdom, we must believe that he will respond That is so important. We believe that he's going to be there, that he's going to respond. Verse 6b, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. So, one who lives by faith builds his or her life on Jesus. You with me? Builds his life on Jesus. That's the helmet of our salvation. But Satan seeks to create ways of doubt in our minds and tosses us in every direction. And these, this leads us to up and down faith. 
When people, this has been my experience, when people are up and down in the faith, and I've seen this time and time again, one day they're high, next day they're low. One day they're into Jesus, next day they're confused, where is Jesus? They just, they're just every which direction. What is going on here? What is happening? And now this is just, you know, think about this, and if you want to apply it, that's great. Here's what helps me. I believe that when people are doubt, when you doubt your faith, when Satan gets in there and he's whispering in your ear and telling you lies and you're not sure what direction you're to go, which, what way or whatever, when you're not sure that God and Christ is in it, then ask for wisdom. Wisdom. What would Jesus do? Remember a few years ago, that was a thing. We had the break. You know, what would Jesus do? That is so true. What would Jesus do? Far too often, we just run ahead of Christ. Rather than stop and say, what would Jesus have us do? I have a decision I have to make. Boy, and I'm being tossed this way and that way. What would Jesus have me do? I have a friend that's really going off the deep end. I don't know how to handle this, this relationship. Jesus, what would you have me do? Wisdom is applied knowledge of the word of God. Wisdom is applying God's truths to your life. Applied biblical knowledge. Wisdom. We are called to grow in wisdom. And sometimes we get knocked down because that's part of growing in wisdom. To get ourselves out of the way and trust Jesus to guide the way for us. Wisdom. And if it's perfect here, if you are, just line yourself up and we'll bow down before you. None of us are perfect. But I know one thing in my own life, when I, when I go through my, my memorization passages, one of my favorite one is uh, with James 4.2. You don't have, James said, you don't have because you don't ask. And every time I run into that one, I say, you don't have because you don't ask. So what do I ask for? But the majority of time when I'm in that scripture, I'm asking Jesus for wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom in my life. Give me wisdom in my church that you call me to. Give me wisdom in this decision or that decision. I want your wisdom. Who asked for wisdom? Solomon. That's the first thing. God said, you can have anything that you want. What did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. God's wisdom. Amen? I said it about 14 times. Wisdom, because it is so so, so, so important. If we lack wisdom and we do not seek his wisdom, guess what Satan's going to do? He is going to push you all over the place. He's going to get you so confused and tied up in knots. Wisdom. Seek people who have wisdom. I said this many times. I have an inner circle of Christian friends that I can go to them because I know they have wisdom. 
They're not perfect, but they have wisdom. I'm sorry, I don't go with those that are flippant, you know, in their faith, whatever. I want people that are into Jesus, and they possess wisdom. Amen? You think we're almost done, right? You're saying, wow, pastor, we're really flying through this. Aha. We have point number four. This could, we could be at this one for a while. But this one is really important. It's called liar, liar. Who's the liar? Who's the liar? Satan's the liar. James 4, 7, and 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you what? You double-minded. You know, James used double-minded here. Double-minded people cannot make up their minds between good and evil, right or wrong. But when it comes to obeying God, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. One has to take a stand. When we are overcome with the devil's lies, we must take a stand for Jesus. I want you to listen to this example of one of Satan's uh, strategies. A student at Wheaton College was a state wrestling champion when he was in high school. His dad was a perfectionist. Always always demanding more. When this student pinned his opponent and won the state wrestling championship in his weight class, his dad only said this, you should have pinned him sooner. Think about that. Kid, you should have pinned him sooner. The kid just won, won, you know, the big prize. That was it. And that's all his dad could offer? See, Satan used this wrestler's father to plant a lie deep, deep within his son's mind and heart. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. You're a loser. You will never make it. You'll never be good enough. All because, and see, with this this lie just, just carried over into his college life. He was miserable. And he, he, always, he was always falling short of his goals. Here was a guy who was a state championship. You'd think, man, he'd have all this confidence in the world. Not at all. Because one lie, one lie had this young boy hooked. You'll never be good enough. 
you'll never make it. You don't think that's not important? What people tell us and speak, to, speak into our hearts and our minds very often have lasting effects on our lives. But listen to these encouraging words from 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. But here I want to really look at the latter part of, of verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and expose the motives of men's hearts. Now listen to this. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. God wants to praise us. You know, we're called to praise. We sing praise music to to the Lord. Jesus Christ wants to praise us for being obedient in our lives. He wants to praise us. Okay. We're not quite done. Now, we have some homework right now. This is for all of you. No show of hands or whatever. I want you to think about something, okay? I'm going to share some of Satan's lies that he tries to plant in our hearts and in our minds. And as I, as I share some of them with you, be thinking about, does this one apply to you? Or does that one apply to you? Have you ever been shaken by this one or that one? You follow me, what I'm saying? Okay, lie number one. I'm stupid. How about another one? I'm ugly. I never deserve happiness. It's always my fault. I'm useless. I'll never amount to anything. Because that's what everybody tells me. You're not good enough. Nobody really loves me. Nobody really cares. I'm a failure. I'm worthless. I'm weak. I'm arrogant. I'm so full of myself. I will never amount to anything because I failed my family. I failed my God. I'll never get over the pain of my past. That's a big one for a lot of people. It was a big one in my family. I spent time in conversation with my middle brother about that one. Dude, you got to get over the past. You got to move on. You're stuck there. So you need to really go back and ask God to re- reveal that lie and then put truth in, re- in, in place of that lie. Because the liar has you and he's telling you that you'll never get rid of that pain for your past. That's what Satan does. Or I'll never change. I've heard that so many times through the years. I'll never change. I can't change. Who says you can't change? Who changes us? 
Christ changes us. Did he not change you once upon a time before Christ? I'm paraphrasing Becca, but, you know, when you're talking about deliverance, where were you before Christ? And that's a question for all of us. Where were we before Christ? Did he change you? Everyone here, I believe, has been changed in some form by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ changes lives. Jesus Christ counters the lies. And most lies, listen, most lies can be traced back to a time when we have been hurt by others. Think about that. When we have been hurt by others or bullied in school, laughed at, ridiculed. Doesn't happen a lot in school. You know, think about that. Sometimes we just think about that. I remember, I have time for this? Yeah, okay, well, I should. But, but this really happened. I think I was in fourth grade. And yes, it was not a one-house one school. It was a big school. And I remember there's a boy in my class who had, now we're talking a long time ago, he had surgeries on his eyes. And his eyes were always looked like somebody had just, he'd been in a boxing match. And he kept getting banged in the eye. And his eyes were always swollen. And he didn't have friends. But he had students in his class that would mock him. Yours truly, I can say, I, mean, I had some bad things going on in my life, but I never did that. I felt sorry for him. You know, they used to call him to his face. Hey, there goes Freddie the Freak. Freddie the Freak. Can you imagine the lie that's planted in this young boy's mind? You're not good enough. You're dumb. You'll never amount to anything. You're a joke. Look at your family. They're a mess. So you're going to be a mess. That's what Satan does. But the good, but you know, what he does, when Satan plants these lies, he plants them for one major reason. He plants them in us, in our minds to prevent us from reaching our potential in Jesus Christ. God does not want you to be healed, or Satan does not want you to be healed. You're to be healed. He doesn't want that. He wants to plant those lies in you and me. That's what it does. The helmet of salvation. Now listen to this. We're winding down. The helmet of salvation tells us that we are not only marvelously, unbelievably made, but we are truly special. Do you see yourself as special? I am special. I am special. We're all special. Each and every one of us. We're special. The helmet of salvation 
also reminds us, also reminds us of this, of this unbelievable truth that we are not only saved. Communion reminds us that we are not only saved, we are forgiven, and we are loved. We are loved. We are loved by Jesus. What if that means? That means that we can overcome our lies. If the liar's haunting you today, you can overcome those lies in Christ. In Christ. Here's an exercise you might want to do. I know if, if you, uh, Becca, if your mom is here, this is pretty much what this healing ministry is about. But you can do these things also on your own. If you feel, you say, why do I do what I do? Or if you're angry and you, and you lash out at other people, I've counseled people that have extreme anger. But you know, at the end of the day, they're not angry at themselves. I mean, they're not angry at other people. They're angry at themselves. See, it all comes back to us. You know, forget about making excuses about other people. It comes back to who we are. So whatever it is for you, whatever you're going through, here's an exercise that you can do. You can bring yourself back to that, to that point of pain, that deepest pain, identify that, identify that, then ask Jesus Christ to speak truth into that lie. He will do that. If you trust him, believe him, he will do that. Just ask him. We're all capable of living the fulfilled life. That's what God wants for us. Amen, John? Amen. That is it. Do you realize I'm just, I'm walking, I'm going down the path I shouldn't, but, you know, it's me. You know, I, I talk too much, but um, I, see, I see too many Christians that are hurting when, they, when it's so unnecessary for them to be hurt. You just have to get to Jesus. You have to take the helmet of salvation and try to take on the mind of Christ. You take on the mind of Christ by what? By asking him. Asking him. Seek his wisdom in it. Greater is he who is in us than Satan who is in the world. Amen? Amen. So God wants us not to feel good. He wants us to feel, feel great. Amen? And amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you so much. Oh, Lord, as I look over and see my brothers and sisters, I realize just how imperfect I am. I've heard those voices, Lord, telling me that I'm not good enough, that my family's not good enough. But, Lord, I know that that is not true because of your truth. 
And Lord, so I pray for every uh, brother and sister here right now that if any way they are struggling within themselves, perhaps they have been, been battered with lies that are overwhelming them, that are bringing them down. Lord, I pray that they might seek you, Jesus. They might seek you, Lord. And that you will reveal the truth and take away the lies. For Lord God, we thank you that you reminded us today that we are not junk because God you do not make junk and we give you praise in Jesus name how do you feel